one of the biggest problems i have is if i start something that i like i don't stop and uh, even more specifically i really like this brand of chocolate many of you may know it cadbury's fruit and nut chocolate if i start eating it i cannot stop if i get it into my house and i eat it i can't stop and this was becoming a real problem because i was going through like almost a big slab every two days just eating bits of it the true test of a solution is if it does what it promises to do whether it's a public health measure a climate change policy or a personal goal like limiting how many chocolates you eat the proof of the pudding indeed lies in the eating welcome to season 3 of habits matter i'm your host shreyasi singh founder and ceo of harappa education the season's theme solve explores relevant questions such as about fast fashion's cost to the planet and if it really is possible to bust our own biases episode 2 goes behind the scenes of problem solving to examine how solutions work what goes into making a message powerful can we rely on willpower to motivate us and how do we come up with solutions that guarantee buy-in from the people also stay till the end for a surprise so then what i hit upon was what i what is called a commitment uh, device i asked my and this is uh, this is inspired by the work of dean carlin on stick um i asked my daughter to hide the chocolate and i said you're only going to give me two squares of chocolate even if i beg or if i plead or if i ask you or if i bribe threaten you whatever this is this we're going to put this down as a contract and she took it very seriously uh, it was incredibly successful hi i'm neela i'm an independent consultant i'm really passionate about applying behavioral science to well just about anything uh, currently i use it to examine problems in public health financial inclusion and charitable giving neela graduated from iim calcutta and has a phd in consumer behavior from wharton today she's an independent consultant and a board advisor devising solutions that work requires a strong grasp of the problem at hand how motivation works and what spurs us into action to build or break habits we need purposeful intervention relying on willpower alone is unlikely to help us achieve our goals whether as an individual or a society you know all all stories and jokes aside uh, is that when you're struggling with self control don't try and use willpower instead try and use commitment devices this is the idea of putting your money away in a savings account this is the idea of designating someone to you know hide stuff that is um, that that you may have a problem with self control with even if a solution is great in theory it can't possibly work until people are convinced it's right for them and are ready to adopt it in other words smart problem solving gets buy-in from its intended audience it requires us to engineer motivation in people instead of expecting it to appear on its own it requires us to add structure to solutions by thinking about the what the how the when and the where Here's an example from public health. So one of the most successful behavioral interventions uh, that I've seen and particularly with getting for example flu vaccinations in the US is using implementation intentions. This is the work that uh, Katie Milkman and her team have done. And the idea of implementation intentions is 
you, we often have a goal to do something and then we don't end up doing something what's really effective is writing down the when and uh, the date and the time and the where so you're actually putting some structure around that goal and some implementation and structure around that goal uh, they find it is incredibly useful and very powerful when they use it for flu vaccination so you give people a card where you say you know get your flu vaccination another card where you tell them to not just get the vaccination but to write down when and where they will get that and at what time they will get that and it really ends up in increasing uh, people's actual action to get that flu vaccination but before anything else smart problem solving requires that we first define the problem it's a foundational habit that matters more than anything else what are you really solving for Is that what you've been asked to solve? Is it really the problem at the root of the issue? Working on solutions seems like the tough part. It makes us feel we are working, we are acting, we are moving ahead. But no solution that follows an ill-defined problem can succeed. Hi, I'm Samuel Salser. I'm a behavioral strategist specializing in applying insights from behavioral science and behavioral economics to fuel habit formation and digital behavior change. I want to make the world a better place one good habit at a time. When it comes to behavioral science, it's really exciting to think about ideas for solutions. But one of the tricky things is obviously if if those solutions matches with the problem. And I think that's the biggest challenge in reality is that a lot of people have great solutions but they don't really match with the problem. And so they get kind of stuck onto something that actually is not really useful. Sam tells us about a well-meaning solution that didn't work because the problem was defined incorrectly. That's why it's so important to get this first step right. And so a good example is this this project that was done in in Africa where very well-meaning organization in the US wanted to provide water pumps to to African villages and so they pretty much thought that well we can make it make it more fun by having some form of carousel type of water pump where you have to like you pump and then you can go around and as you pump you can go around in this uh roundabout way and um they thought it was a really kind of fun way to introduce water pumps and so they got a lot of money and then the solution was very exciting and so they implemented the solution and then it was pretty much is waiting for people to use these water pumps more than any other water pumps in the world and when they came back to look at how they've been used they realized that they were like not used at all and they've been pretty much left there cuz one of the big problems here is that they actually didn't think about the problem here and so what they failed to realize is that obviously if you go on these carousel like pumps you get sick for a while after going <laughs> round and round for a couple of times like it's a very basic thing and this like a super obvious thing that we think that well okay this is obvious but a lot of times we would not fall for this kind of idea of not understanding a problem but it even though that's a very obvious example so often i see that people fail to understand the problem before jumping to thinking about solution correctly defining the problem is well begun for sure in addition three crucial factors of motivation ability and opportunity ensure the solution gets buy in from the people it's meant for the first one is are people motivated 
to actually adopt this policy and by motivated i mean two things is it relevant to their goals their everyday goals not their health goals or their financial goals their goals to what it means to be a human being and second is that do they believe that this is the right solution to meet their goals so that's about being motivated to follow the policy the second which is equally important is can they actually follow the policy and by this i mean two things again first do they have the energy the time and the money to actually follow this policy or behavioral intervention and second is do they have knowledge about how to actually do this if you tell people that you need to wear a mask do they actually know the mask needs to be of a certain material cover your nose and mouth when you wear it etc this is incredibly important the third is after motivation and ability is will they actually do it at the time of choice and this is of course when all our knowledge fails us and we fall prey to procrastination and inertia to see how these principles usually play out in the world sam has an example from his work with the swedish consulting firm he was tasked with a daunting challenge to help a massive construction site become more sustainable by improving its recycling system here's what the team did so one thing was that we really started by understanding the problem what are the steps that goes into doing this behavior that i want people to do and what are the current barriers that people are facing so that was kind of the first thing like trying to understand the problem and defining the problem and defining the the behavior you want people to do and then a lot of work was actually around talking to the construction workers and understanding their call it user journey of sort where it was understanding their perception of the problem and understanding also a big thing here was actually that we in the end most of the solutions that made this thing work actually was gathered from user inputs so it was gathered through getting ideas submitted by the construction workers so why it can be very tempting to come in as an outsider and think that you have all of the answers actually can often be the opposite and so in this case much of the answers came from actually construction workers After defining the problem the team had several conversations with the construction workers at site this was crucial it was important to fully understand their motivation and decode how they would be excited about backing the solution ability and opportunity were created by shifting the location of the recycling containers as well as reducing their size earlier the huge containers were usually placed at the edges of the construction site this made them inaccessible the team replaced them with smaller containers placed throughout the space action was incentivized by fostering a rich dialogue with the workers they were frequently updated about the progress they were making the progress was also put into the right context by benchmarking it to industry best standards so the framework i particularly like about drafting powerful messages is the one used by the behavioral insights team which is what they call the east framework which is in order to draft powerful messages and really good interventions in general you need to make sure it's e for easy a for attractive s for social and t for timely uh so easy as we all know this but you know they found that even reducing the number of words from say 50 words to 34 words can make a huge difference in people's staying on that message and comprehending it so really try to make your message as easy as possible uh making it attractive means making it very very vivid 
uh, in a recent in some recent work in rio they were trying to get people to social distance uh, they used the image of the local mountains in rio to say let's flatten the curve because when you say flatten the curve people don't understand but when you show the shape of the mountain they understand oh that's what you actually was really vivid and it got people to actually share that information very widely make the message social after all we're social animals so if you're telling people to socially distance you could say look other people are doing it too or you could talk about the role people play in protecting the community also make the message timely instead of telling people to just wear masks tell them the when and the where of it to sum it up make your message easy attractive social and timely Another way to drive strong buy-in is to make people feel like they own the solution, that it's theirs to lead and track. So what can make a policy more likely to be adopted is sense of ownership. So that you want the, whatever you call it, the citizens, the users, the people who are supposed to adopt this solution, you want them to feel like they've been part of creating the solution. and maybe not directly in terms of building it but at least in form of ideas and in form of being part of choosing even arbitrary things like color or whatever it can be so feeling a sense of ownership we know from a lot of research can in general be a very effective way to change behavior and that's very true here as well benefits are powerful when framed to meaning and purpose for example saying that we should stop climate change for the sake of future generations can help get by in at other times direct benefits gain more acceptance in delayed ones which is to say that urgency of a solution today can be a more powerful motivator than the promise of a better future for instance some people are more likely to adopt public transport if you tell them it's cheaper a direct benefit as opposed to if you tell them that it will promote sustainability a possibly delayed benefit This means we don't have to always mention sustainability to promote sustainable solutions. The long and short of it is, the way we frame a benefit can have an immense impact on its potential to generate buy-in. I often glance at my phone in the middle of conversations. I used to value this ability as a demonstration of my great multitasking abilities. To be honest, I do genuinely believe one can listen to someone attentively and read a message at the same time. I didn't think it was a problem till someone told me it made them feel hurt and rejected. This made me significantly rethink my behavior. Although I still struggle to not sneak a peek, it is a one behavior that I'm acutely conscious of because I know it makes others feel unseen. If for some reason I have to have to check my messages, I ask for permission so they don't feel I'm not paying attention. As deterrence and negative messages go, fear, like in gruesome smoking advisories, is often used as a tool to motivate action. As Neela explains, fear can work, with one caveat. The one thing I do have to say about fear-based messaging is that it can be quite powerful to change behavior. However, the thing to remember with fear-based messaging is that you have to give people a solution or what you what we call in you know in in. academic terms increase self efficacy which is this idea is not only do i have to be understand the risks and maybe it induces some fear 
but if you only do that and stop there then i'm going to actually avoid your messaging no matter how scary you make this it's not going to propel me to action if you want me to do the thing you have to then give me a means to overcome that fear and that's really effective so that's all really that i'll say about fear based messaging that make sure that you are then providing the solution to overcome that fear to increase people's self efficacy so that they can actually do the action uh, that you set up the fear for in the first place this brings us to a problem we currently face the virus if fear is such a great motivator why are so many people still not wearing masks the answer is more layered than you may think so i think a big reason why we're seeing such a difference in adoption of different mechanisms for managing the virus has a lot to do with how we are wired as human beings we are social animals which means that we're very much basing our behaviors based on what other people around us are doing the idea by by singling theory is that when we interact in the world whether we think about it or not we're always signaling certain things So you might have heard of virtue signaling is a version of this where you might be more likely to wanting to show off good virtues that you're kind that you're caring that you are supportive and we do that naturally in in many ways we signal pretty much with, with how we dress with how we talk with what we do and what we're trying to figure out is okay what can i do and how can i behave so that i am liked and um, when for example we have something like a mask If you put the mask on, what how what is that signal? The problem is that wearing a mask means different things to different people. The meaning of the signal it sends changes across cultures. In the US, it's transmuted into a political statement, much beyond its utility as a preventive healthcare practice. If you wear a mask, you're voting for Biden. If you don't, the signal is you're voting for Trump. On the other hand in many southeast asian countries wearing masks is an accepted public norm it's a sign of responsible citizenship not wearing a mask is seen as inconsiderate and selfish so everybody wears one one of the first thing again you want to do is understand the problem and so you really want to understand if someone sees a mask what is the current observation of what that means So what are the things that people associate mask with in the current in in that community or in that country or wherever you are? And so you're trying to understand both the positive maybe things that people associate mask with and also the negative things. And then you want to make a very conscious strategy of what things do you want the mask to signal and then maybe even test that in terms of a likelihood of it being effective in being something that would convince people. The mask problem is a great example of the power of buying and the consequences of the lack of it. A solution may sound perfect on paper, but its implementation depends on how people integrate it into their lives. Thank you very much for listening right till the end. Here's a surprise we promise. A 20% discount on any Harappa course from a solved habit. To help you hone your problem-solving skills, Head to our website harappa.education. You'll find the link in your description box. Sign up and use the code HABITS20. That is capital H A B I T S 20. HABITS20. Happy learning.
and see you next time. Abyss Matter is a show brought to you by Harappa Education. This episode was scripted, produced and managed by Nitin Shamsuddin and Soumya Bahuguna under the editorial direction of Seema Chaudhary. Shout out to Madhavan, our super talented audio engineer and a brilliant design team for us snazzy creatives. Follow Habits Matters on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook.